0: Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Wednesday on which absolutely nothing is going to happen because it's a Wednesday in December. We play tomorrow night in the Europa League and I'm sure we're all very excited because it's a game that is completely meaningless for us because we have already qualified top of our group and have absolutely nothing to play for. So there is no reason, absolutely no reason for any player of any real importance to play in this game. We will advance to the last 16 of the Europa League. We can sit back and relax as the teams dropping in from the Champions League play the teams who finish second in these Europa League groups for the right to compete with us in the last 16. Now, dropping in from the Champions League, confirmed Galatasaray. We'll have nothing to fear there. We should also confirm Manchester United eliminated from Europe. Eliminated from Europe from a group that had Copenhagen and Galatasaray in it. But Eric Ten Hag is doing an outstanding job, so we should all remember that. Working miracles on a, on a shoestring budget. Uh, Lens drop in. Sevilla eliminated. Lens beat Sevilla. So Sevilla are out, thankfully. We won't have to deal with them and their zombie nature towards the Europa League. Lens, not a team that we should be overly concerned with. Braga dropping in. They're a team we should be comfortably. Benfica, who have been dreadful in the Champions League this year, beat Red Bull Salzburg last night and took their spot in the Europa League. Benfica, not a team we should be overly concerned with. We also know that Feyenoord, will definitely be in the Europa League this season after Christmas. There's some good players in that team, but again, not someone we should be hugely concerned with. In Group F, any of PSG, Newcastle, or Milan could still drop in. Preference would be Milan. Worst case scenario would be PSG purely because regardless of the fact that they're a bit of a mess, regardless of the fact that they're not well-coached, they do have incredible individual talent, and they can beat anybody when the mood takes them. It will almost certainly be young boys, but Red Star could still find their way in. Either way, we're not going to be worried about whoever comes in from Group G. And then from Group H, it will be either Porto or Shakhtar, Donetsk. You'd probably rather play Shakhtar. We should beat both of them, but you'd probably rather play Shakhtar. Purely from the point of they don't get a home game. So you'd play a a home game against them and then a neutral venue game. So that is favorable, but we know we can beat Porto. If we need to. Uh, In the Europa League, for right now, it's West Ham and Freiburg advancing. We won't fear either of them. Marseille and Brighton advancing from Group B. We won't fear either of them. In Group C, it will be two from Real Betis, Rangers and Sparta Prague. We're not going to be overly concerned with any of them. In Group D, it's Atalanta and Sporting. They're both decent sides. We should beat both of them. From our own group, Toulouse or Union, we'll beat either of them. If we need to play them in a in a knockout round, if they, if they somehow get through and we face them again, we'll beat them comfortably. Group F, it's Ren. They're having a really poor season. Real not having a great season themselves. Very hit and miss. Group G, Slavia, Prague, or Roma. I mean, Mourinho's always just going to be horrible to play in a knockout game, but you're not going to be too concerned. Group H, it will be Leverkusen. They'll be tough. They'll be tough. They're still unbeaten across all competitions this season. They're a good team. They play good football. They've got some really good players. And it will be one of Quarabeg or Mould, and we're not going to concern ourselves massively with any of them. So all we need to do is just manage our way through tomorrow night and then sit back and let the runners up in these groups and the teams dropping in out of the Champions League kick seven shades out of each other, and then we'll see who we get. But we're in a really, really strong position in that competition. I would say we're, we're almost prohibitive favorites to win this competition. There's nobody on our level. Even Leverkusen, as good as they've been, they're not on our level. They just aren't. PSG would be the one. If they dropped in, they would be the one to concern me. Other than them, there isn't really anybody. Like if it's Newcastle, you'd fancy us to beat them over two legs. You'd fancy us to beat Milan. None of the other teams dropping in are really going to cause us a whole lot of trouble. Roma, you're not. You you wouldn't be massively concerned. with, even with Mourinho, Villarreal, you wouldn't be concerned with Sporting. You wouldn't be concerned with Rangers, Slavia, Real Betis. We beat any of them. We'd beat Brighton or Marseille. We'd beat West Ham or Freiburg. This competition is right there for us. But we need to be, we need to be making sure we cover all our bases. So we know that Joel Matip is going to miss the rest of the season. Alexis McAllister is currently out injured. Jürgen told us it was a small cut. And what we now know is that Jürgen lied again. This isn't a small cut. He's not in a knee brace because of a small cut. Uh, he's not on oxygen because of a small cut. So he's not having blood drained from his knee because of a small cut. So what is it? Is it just... A very bad bruise and a hematoma? Maybe. Maybe. But that's probably going to rule him out for a couple of weeks, if that's all it is, which would include the Arsenal game. The United will be fine, I think, without him. But the Arsenal game, you'd really want Alexis in there. Um, could it be something worse? Could it be ligament damage? Maybe. But it's going to be more than Jürgen said. Like, Jürgen made out that the Palace game was just coming a few days too soon for him. Might have come a few weeks too soon for him. Uh, On This Is Anfield, they have the news that Liverpool have gotten the green light for 57,000 people to attend Liverpool versus Manchester United on Sunday. So that's obviously great news as the club continue to ramp up the reopening or the opening of the uh, Anfield Road extension. Very, very positive. The test event on Monday was by all accounts a big success. Uh, Jürgen was asked some questions and they have a uh, five best bits moment here so he talked about using the extra noise that 7000 extra fans when it's all said and done will be able to will be able to generate he talked about Christmas in Burnley when do we go the 26th we drive to Burnley oh a great place to spend Christmas I can't wait to read all of the things I said tonight in the Daily Mail, like obviously some people from Burnley have taken that the wrong way. I took it as him being respectful that Burnley's never a nice place to go and play away, even though they've been garbage this season at home against the top clubs. I just took it as him saying, like we haven't done you know we haven't had easy games at Burnley um, He talked a bit about transfers. A few strange things happened in the transfer market, but here between us, I can say, my God, we were lucky. We didn't know in that moment, to be honest. It didn't feel like in that moment, but I'm really happy that it worked out. With like I just think that's nonsense, to be honest. Like, the idea that we wouldn't be much better with Caicedo is stupid. The idea that Lavia wouldn't have improved us is stupid. Both of them are significantly better than Endo. They're both significantly better than Gravenberg. The money would have been better spent on one of them than on those two, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, He talked about the need to rotate. Said he had no clue who will play against Union. I think he's got a fair idea uh, who's going to play. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, you don't take much of what Jürgen says – without a large pinch of salt, it's just his nature. But the transfer stuff is just stupid. Like, David Lynch talked about it on a recent podcast. It's just stupid. Like, he acts like transfers are the worst thing in the world. How did you build your team, Jürgen? You built it with transfers. You built it with transfers. You're Premier League and Champions League winning team was built through transfers. No other way. Trent came through the academy and everyone else was bought in. You mightn't have bought Henderson. You mightn't have bought um, Bobby Firmino, but they were bought by the club. You did buy Salah, Mane, Wijnaldum, Fabinho, Gomez. Oh, you didn't buy Gomez. Gomez was bought by the club. You did bring in Matip on a free transfer you signed Van Dyke. You signed. You bought Robertson. You bought uh, Ali. Like it's just it's such horseshit. Like, and he just gaslights people who who are right when they say we need reinforcements. Like we need reinforcements. It's that simple. David Lynch is reporting today that we're not planning a move for joe Poligna Like, okay, fair enough. There's others out there, but you better be planning something. Can't just sit in your hands. If we don't buy in January and we don't win the league, it will fall squarely at the feet of this manager because it will be his decision. Like it was his decision in January of 2021 not to buy a centre-back. And I know that's always a great window for the FSG out brigade to point at and hammer the owners. And the owners do deserve, they deserve a lot of criticism for a lot of things but rarely on things like that. Because we bid for David Carmel. We bid for Duja Kaleta Car was at the airport ready to get on a plane. Jürgen made decisions not to buy players. Jürgen made those decisions. Not the, not the owners, not anybody else, him. He made the decision to wait for Eboo. No one else made that decision, just him. He made the decision that the player we were going to bring in was Ozan Kabak. No one else. The owners didn't fail to back him. He made decisions. Let's be honest, though. They didn't cost us the title that year. By the time January came around, we had fallen off. Yes, we were top at Christmas. We weren't top at the start of January. We weren't top through January. But this season, we have a real chance. We can't be certain that we'll get another opportunity like this, where City are off the pace. We can't be certain that Virgil, Ali and Mo in their 30s are going to continue to put together great seasons year after year. We can hope that they will. We can assume that they will, but we can't know it. We need to act in January. And there's no excuse not to do it. None. Like there's, you look at our midfield. We've got Dominic, nailed on starter. Alexis, nailed on starter. And there's no nailed on third starter. Endo's clearly not good enough to be a starter. Jürgen can call him exceptional all he wants. Nonsense. He's okay. That's about it. Curtis Jones is a good player. He's not a starter if we want to win the league. Ryan Gravenberg is a million miles from being good enough to be a starter at this point, which is not not unexpected. We need to go out and buy a third midfield starter. We need a holding midfielder. He can throw all the stats around about Alexis you want, the bullshit. They don't don't show anything that suggests he's a good holding midfielder because he's not. He's just a very good footballer who's been forced to play out of position. And maybe, maybe Jürgen has it in his head that Thiago's going to come back and fix things or that Besetich is going to come back. Thiago can't stay fit and Besetic is a child. He's played like, what, 14 games? not counting, you know, like five minutes here and there. And he's missed months and months and months. We need to be busy in January. We need at least one, ideally two in. Liverpool apparently are in talks with RB Leipzig to recall Fabio Carvalho. That would help in terms of attacking depth because we are a little bit short, especially with Mo heading for AFCON. Trent Alexander-Arnold may have a break-glass option, but his best position is clear. Um, This is written by David Lynch. It's the idea that he, you know, as a break-glass option, he could play a six, but it's quite clear that, um, the well, David's opinion is the best use of him as right-back. I, I would disagree, but, you know, I think the best use of him would be moving him into midfield on a permanent basis and changing the shape a little bit. Uh, Manchester United pick up two more injuries in Champions League exit. Uh, Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw both forced off. That's bad news for us. Bad news for us because they're both desperate. Uh, Terrell Malashia, Casemiro, The Gnome, Christian Eriksen, Ahmed Traore, Ahmed Diallo Traore, they're both out. Mason Mount and Victor Lindelof uh, both doubts. Jaden Sancho, the manager, suspended him because he's, you know, he's in his feelings. Uh, Bruno Fernandes has got himself suspended on purpose. Marcus Rashford and Anthony Anthony Martial both missed the Bayern Munich game due to illness. Um, so it it looking like potentially a back four of Diogo Dalot, Johnny Evans, Raphael Varane, and Sergio Reguilon. We should win this game. <laughs> we really should win this game, but it will be tougher than people think. We won't beat them seven nil again. There's just no way we'll beat them 7-0 again. They'll come and park the bus because that's just what they do. Virgil van Dijk has just produced a Premier League feat only four others have ever beaten. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Only four players in Premier League history have recorded more goals from centre-back than Van Dijk, who has 21 to his name. So Sammy has 22. Koscielny had 22. Gary Cahill had 28. And John Terry scored 41. Fair enough. Yapstam highlights area Virgil van Dijk can still improve. This will be interesting. His positioning. At times he makes it difficult for himself. Sometimes he needs to chase when he doesn't want to chase. He's stepping up trying to catch players offside. But if his positioning is a bit better and he steps a bit more back, it's awful. See, this is the problem with, with older players. Yapstam didn't play in the era of VAR. We haven't been caught out from an offside in the VAR era because of Virgil stepping up. Not once. Not once. When he chases back, it's purely because the linesman hasn't done his job. Virgil's positioning is flawless. Absolutely flawless. And Stam... Marco van Basten and Ruud Hullard should all shut the fuck up. They're all imbeciles when it comes to talking about this. There's a jealousy with them or a bitterness. Now, maybe it's because their good friend Ronald Koeman is their current manager and he's not a very good manager and thus is getting a lot of criticism and they want to blame somebody else. But Nonsense. Stam did say that Van Dijk would be his dream centre-back pairing. That would have been unbelievable, to be fair. Yapstam was incredible. But if Yapstam played in today's game under a modern manager like Jürgen, he'd be doing the same thing from a positioning point of view as Virgil does. Stam says Van Dijk's communication needs to improve. Virgil's one of the best communicators in the league. Very, very strange. Very, very strange comments. Virgil's one of the best communic. Virgil's been the leader and organizer of our team since the day he arrived. And when he hasn't played or he's been off form like last year, we've been a train wreck. When he does play, we're incredible. Simple as that. Uh, Jurgen Klopp and, ooh, Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool have already proved how much they rate youngsters they bought twice what let me come back to that uh, there's a piece about United, a piece about Eric Ted Hag and Brendan Rodgers apparently, uh, Mohamed Salah could set sights on Wayne Rooney Premier League record with new Liverpool contract, let's have a look at that, as uh, a piece about United's injury absences and illness absences. Moises Caicedo should be changing agent instructions as Liverpool snub becomes Chelsea nightmare. Um, blah, blah, blah. Liverpool will never learn Tiago Alcantara. Lesson amid return hint and Declan Rice shows why. We'll have a look at that. Um, there's a piece about Romeo Lavia, a piece about Ibu, and the potential for a new contract, which hopefully gets done quite quickly. What player did we buy twice? Oh, it's Cade Gordon. It's Cade Gordon. We didn't sign him twice, though, so. It's just that he signed, played, got injured, and is now back. I really hope Cade plays tomorrow night. Even if he's just off the bench, I really want to see Cade Gordon play. Um, Mo Salah chasing Wayne Rooney's Premier League record. This piece is projecting out um, the possibility of a two-year extension, which would mean that Salah ends up on you know current averages of about thirty goals a season, sixteen next year, thirty the following year, sixteen this year, thirty next year, thirty the following year. Uh, that would get him to two hundred and seventy-six goals behind only Roger Hunt and Ian Rush. And I mean you wouldn't be looking at him leaving even after that because why would you, you know? I feel like he could play at least another couple of years after that. So I think I think Roger Hunt is definitely um someone he can overhaul in the Premier League. Uh he's currently joined 10th with Michael Owen with 150 Next up is Jermaine Defoe and then Robbie Fowler at 163. Defoe 162, Fowler at 163. Then it would be Henri at 175. Um. So what they've done is they've uh, projected an average of 23 league goals for the next two and a half years. He'd become the fourth entrant into the league's 200 club after Shearer, Kane, and Rooney. While Shearer is almost certainly out of reach, Kane and Rooney look like realistic targets. Yeah, yeah, to be fair, they do. Rooney has 208. I mean, if most days he can get there. And Mo's comments after the celebration of his 200 goal were, here's to many more. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can get... Um, we can get more signed up. Oh, this is this piece about Declan Rice is basically Thiago giving Rice an absolute roasting, and uh, Liverpool fans getting very excited about. Um, well, actually, no, this piece is easy, is silly. Uh, so it's about Liverpool fans getting excited by Thiago posting a picture. Uh, of him walking into the AXA. And then it tries to make some weird statistical comparison between him and Declan Rice, which is just, you know, just silly, really, just silly. Uh, On to AnfieldIndex.com. And we have a whole bunch of new stuff up. So there's Jürgen calling Endo exceptional, a uh, piece about Alexis and his injury, a piece about Graham Souness, a piece about... Potential changes that Jürgen could make. Victor Osterman has beaten Mo to the African Footballer of the Year title. So do check that piece out as well. And podcast-wise, there is absolutely loads. So we have part three of the Songs of Anfield. Dave Davis joined by David Jags from the Ragamuffins. So do give that one a listen. There is a Media Matters piece with Dave Davis and Ben Boxek talking about the Palace game. There is the new Under Pressure. Dan Rhodes is back. So it is Dan Kennett, Dan Rhodes and Phil Barter talking about the Sheffield United and Crystal Palace games. There is a new Scouser Tommy's Jim and Jay, having a look ahead to the United game. And there is a Scouted, which was originally meant to be for Union Berlin, and I think we did about seven minutes on Union, focus on the Palace game, talked a lot about Polinia. Um, and then a little bit about Union at the end. So that's what we have. There will be more to come. Harry Sethi will be recording a rival Recon ahead of the weekend. There'll be another Scouter ahead of the weekend. There'll be Moby on the spot to come. There is obviously to be a post-match Raw after the Union game. And there's probably something else that I'm not remembering. Dave Davis will have press conference podcasts as well, obviously, so do check them out. And I'll see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.